Well, good morning, and glad y'all are uh, here for Rally Day. This was my first uh, Rally Day. I heard so much build up over the summer, and so uh, it did not disappoint. So, and I can't wait to see the activity at the zoo later on. But uh, this is fun. Anytime you can get a dog into the church service, you've, you've scored, you know, in my mind. All right. Well, I'm glad he behaved. Yes, he did. He did. He's a good dog. Well, the Lord be with you. Yeah, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day, the freshness of the air, the energy of uh, starting a new church uh, year, getting folks uh, back into a a rhythm. Uh, We pray your blessing on our time together that we might uh, draw closer to you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So how many of you, well, you don't need to say, but I know some people have read Pilgrim's Progress and others haven't. Some might be familiar with it and others may not. So for the next couple weeks, I just wanted to walk through a few themes that John Bunyan uh, wrote into this uh, spiritual... Um, devotional classic and so so I want to take that term pilgrim and I'm going to give you all about three minutes to just think there, this is not a you will not be tested on this this is just to help you get your own brain juices flowing and thinking what comes to mind and conjures up what kind of pictures do you get when you think of a pilgrim and the idea of pilgrim and then and then connected to that how in what ways do you think Following Christ um, in the Christian life is is like a pilgrimage. So just it, it, feel free to use the paper. If that's not helpful to you, you don't need to. But I just wanted to let y'all have a few minutes to get the juices flowing. So feel free to jot things down, and then I'll pick up in a second. And hopefully that'll just get your thoughts going in this direction. Um, And so I I hope this is going to be really accessible, whether you are familiar with Pilgrim's Progress or not. So feel free, you know, I like the setup of this room because this can be a conversation, you know. So if you have questions or have a thought that, you know, you'd like to express, please, you know, this is not meant to be a lecture. So... Um, so Pilgrim's Progress, I discovered it when I was in college and read it, and I was um, immediately taken in with some of the imagery. Now, some of it is just very plain. You know, some of the characters that he uses, he labels them based on their characteristics, you know. Um, and, and so um, so I think it's a pretty accessible uh, resource. But I've noticed that a lot of people don't read it or haven't been familiar with it, and I wonder, well, why is that? And I think it's like a lot of things, like the Bible, it can feel intimidating. You know, it's like, oh, this is a weighty and heavy material. What if I, what if it feels confusing or I don't understand all of it? And so, um, but, but, you know, I think like a lot of great stories, it has dangers and toils and struggles and difficulties that are overcome by this pilgrim Christian. And, and you read very quickly in, in the story this, 
Bunyan describes this scene. So I saw in my dream that just as Christian, the pilgrim, came up with the cross, his burden loosed from his shoulders and fell from his back and began to tumble and continued to do till it came to the mouth of the sepulcher and it fell in and he saw it no more. Um, So this is a very inspirational story. Like Christian comes to this place where this burden that he's been feeling is released and at the cross. And so it's this story of redemption and he finds salvation and help. Um, He's traveling from the city of destruction to the celestial city, um, which is very much a parallel for as Augustine would call it, the city of man and the city of God. You know, he's, he's going from, from life in the world apart from knowing God and knowing salvation in Christ to being received in, in God's loving embrace and, and coming to know that for himself. But he goes through very difficult times to get there. But the cheerful ending is this, this sentence. Then was Christian glad and lightsome, and he said with a merry heart, He hath given me rest by his sorrow, and life by his death. And I found, well, what a quick read. I was only on page 35, and I went, wow, he's made it. Awesome. And then I go, well, what's he going to do? I mean, there's another 150 pages. What's, what's gonna, <laughs> what else is there to say? I mean, he found Christ, you know? Um, but I discovered in continuing on that Christian was, in fact, not saved. Um, his journey wasn't yet complete. Ahead of him still lurked these other dangers and temptations, Vanity Fair, uh, Doubting Castle, Dead Man's Lane. He would meet other pilgrims on the way named Simple, Sleep, Presumption, Formalist, and Hypocrisy, um, fa- Mr. Facing Both Ways, two tongues, turnabout, and all sorts of other characters who came from the city of destruction on their way to the celestial city, but they fall into perils and traps along the way. They don't, in, in a reformed word, they don't persevere in their faith. Um, they, they were, in fact, counterfeit pilgrims that um, Christian encounters along the way. And I think these can be instructive for us and, and a helpful lesson that Salvation in Christ is often, it's a journey. You know, we, uh, Pilgrim's Progress, it can be difficult because it counters some of our own American, Western um, assumptions and prejudices that come with the Christian life. Um, it denies us the satisfaction of an easy decisionist um, approach to salvation that reduces God's work to a spectacular, instantaneous conversion where everything's peaches and cream and easy from there on out. Um, It helps to root us and root our experience in something that's a lot more tactile, a lot more earthy, um, a lot more um, filled with both the joy and happiness, but also the sorrow and struggle that comes with longing, that comes with hope, that comes with desire. Um, Because we who have or if you have what you hope for, you no longer need to hope for anything else. You know, and so sometimes the American gospel seems to be this escalator ride, ever more increasing in our own happiness and joy and prosperity. Um, and while certainly mountaintop experiences are wonderful, um, 
the experience of so many pilgrims who have gone before, the history of the church um, is filled with people who have known sorrow and pain and loss as well and how God has carried them through those things. And so today we'll look at just two examples in Christian's journey of places where he receives help um, and where he finds solace and comfort in the gospel um, as he's traveling this path. So, so I think, think Pilgrim's Progress is really helpful because it helps us root that salvation is a process. It is a journey. Um, it, it is not a... Um, <coughs> Um, that we're journeying through, like the Israelites, through the wilderness of this life, um, where uh, conversion is actually required from us every moment. Um, the cri- Christian, the pilgrim, he's threatened at every moment to deviate from the path, and he's, he's vulnerable. He's vulnerable to temptation. He's vulnerable to um, falling into incorrect thinking. Um, he's being pulled away in a lot of instances from... Uh, the journey that he's supposed to be on. So I do think Pilgrim's Progress can be a beautiful picture of the Christian life. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's filled, interwoven throughout it is biblical imagery. In fact, in the copy that I have, um, on the margins, it it has really helpful, it has scripture references at different points um, that just help kind of, yeah, it helps you find where do some of these illusions come from? Where where is is this metaphor from? You know, it sounds familiar and, and... Lo and behold, you know, I'll find, oh, that's from Isaiah, that's from Revelation, that's from... So, I mean, it's really a a masterpiece in a lot of ways of how Bunyan took all these ideas and put them together um, with biblical imagery and metaphor that captures the wild imagination of a God who writes good stories. And he writes stories that are packed with tension and suspense. I'm not familiar with this book. Yes. Um, Yes. Thank you for asking. I was, I was going to get into that. You, okay, you're exactly sorry, no, 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 no. That's that is such a good question because that's key to understanding where did this come from. You know. <laughs> Thank you for asking that. So. And when was it written? Yes. We need to know it. Yes. Very good. Okay. So let's start with that. Let's start with John Bunyan. Okay. So John John Bunyan was an Englishman in the 1600s. So he was born in 1628. He was born to a tinker, poor, in a poor family. His father was a tinker, and he followed his father's path, became a tinker himself. He was enlisted in the war, um, in the the great civil war in England in the 1600s. And when he came back, he got married, had kids, he was converted. And upon his um, conversion, he actually uh, began to preach. He felt called to preach. He started an underground house church. And this was a time in the mid-1600s when uh, the Church of England, which was very much tied with the political um, you know, involvement of the day, um, that they were persecuting the Puritan movement. This was a movement that arose out of the Church of England, um, which was, uh, you know, it, it, was mu- it was seen as a much lower form of worship, and uh, they, they were pulling a lot of the ideas from the Continental Reformation, which was happening at the same time. So, so Luther and Calvin had already had their writings and had been influential on the continent of Europe. And many of these things had made their way across the channel to Great Britain. And so, um, so Bunyan was part of this 
Puritan movement, which, which focused on the, knowing the Bible and understanding the Bible um, and a disciplined life. And um, they, they held fast to um, even ideas of like extemporaneous prayer as opposed to the common, common prayer book. Um, and so, so Bunyan was, um, he was a pastor and a preacher. And in fact, the Church of England didn't like what the Puritans were doing. And so that was part of what the Civil War in England was about. And so there was this flip-flop of power. Um, where there's a period of time where the Presbyterians and Puritans more so had power, and they were oppressing the Church of England folks, and then Church of England folks came back on top and started persecuting the Puritans, and so, um, and so Bunyan was actually imprisoned for for preaching and for having an underground church because it wasn't under the rule and authority of the Church of England. You know, it hadn't been sanctioned by the Church of England. And so he found himself in prison two separate times, once for 12 years and another time for less than a year. And it, w- it was in that, other, that less than a year imprisonment that it is said that he wrote Pilgrim's Progress. And he actually wrote, there's, there's two books, so to speak, within it. So there's part the first and part the second. He wrote part the first during that one, and later on, not in prison, he wrote part the second. Um, and just to distinguish, we're only going to go over part the first. Part the first is Christian's journey, the Christian the Pilgrim. He actually goes back and gets Christiana, his wife, and kids, and they join him. And so the second book is essentially about their journey. And so um, it's, really, uh, it's really fascinating. Um, so, so that's what his, that's what this story was born out of. He was actually in a dark, dank prison cell. He was cold and hungry. He was separated from his family. Um, his first wife had died, and he was left with three kids, and then he got remarried, and one of his daughters was blind. Um, you know, so he knew suffering. He was well acquainted with hardship, and you can really sense that in reading Christian's journey um, in, in the story. And so, so that's some of the background. So, so it was written in sometime around 1670. Um, and it quickly became a, um, uh, you know, it was a hit. It was a bestseller in England. And in fact, it's one of the all-time best-selling books ever written. Um, it's been translated into over 200 languages. You know, I mean, it's really, it's been a world-renowned uh, devotional classic. And so, uh, so that's why that's part of what drew me to it to even think about putting it together for this uh, for this class. Is this some kind of book that you know? How did you encounter it? Kind of just you know, is this one of those that if I had been on the straight line in college, I might have. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Maybe so. I mean, yeah. That's I I I came to Christ late in high school, and then I really got during college. I yeah, I ended up. Um, being drawn towards uh, ministry and towards growing in my faith. And that's, yeah, so I just ended up in circles where this was commended to me at some point. I can't actually remember who told me about John Bunyan or you need to check it out. Maybe I heard him in a sermon or something like that. But I, I was reading anything that wasn't part of my academic degree during college. So I was a social work major, thankfully, so I didn't, <laughs> that wasn't too big of a problem. And uh, yeah, I was, I was just reading um, devotional and Christian literature, theology during, 
college. I'm so. put in a little note because I'm older. This book is what taught most people in this country, in the United States, how to read. But they had mm. no other book. They had the Bible and they had this. Mm. The children were taught how to read the book of Pilgrim's Progress. Wow. I did not know that. That thank you for that. I mean that's that's so impressive. That it yeah. was widely read. <laughs> and and I think it's gives us much food for thought that the church, much as in Jesus's life, you keep me on persecuted track. this man because he loved Jesus yeah. too much. Mm-hmm. Well, who is this man? Mm-hmm. And they said to Jesus, Who is he that he knows all this? And he was on fire for God. And they threw him in prison. Yeah. So those yeah. are little points about him. His life is remarkable. Yes. And if you think a tinker, I don't know if you know what a tinker is, but a tinker is a man who traveled from town to town to repair pots mm-hmm. and pans that you cooked with because mm-hmm. they'd wear out and they'd leak. And, and he repaired, people didn't buy a new one, they got those old pots repaired. So he made nothing. You know, it was about the lowest thing you could I mean, it was mm-hmm. You came and fixed people's pots and pans. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the pots that they used in the middle of the night when they, you know, didn't want to walk outdoors. Mm-hmm. So uh, that was his background. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he even knew how to read was an incredible thing about him. Yeah. So. Thank you for that. That's right. really colorful. And that's where the word tinkering comes from. Uh-huh. He it's was a tinker. Yeah. And he, yeah. you know, had a probably, there been movies, I think, you know, where they have a, a cart and all these pots were hanging and clanging and banging. There is a, um, and I don't want to take time from this, but I hope I still have it. There is a new, there's a movie that's been put out called Pilgrim's Progress that's fabulous. Well, is it fairly recent? When I got it off, someone told me about it, and we all did off the internet where you look up the movies and stuff. Uh-huh. It's a new movie. I, okay. I have it. I have it. I, I have it. I don't have many of them, but I will bring it next Sunday. Thank you. That it would be. I would love to see wonderful. that. It will be one that you can show your children but not mm. your real children. Okay. Parts of it are mm-hmm. grim. You know, I mean, parts of this, it's not an easy walk. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. No, thank you. <laughs> please, please keep uh-huh. sharing. It, I mean, that, that's really helpful. It is kind of places sort of deadly dull. You know, you have to struggle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. There's long periods of conversation long, where. But they're very yeah. meaty. I mean. Yeah. Okay. Yes, it is very meaty. Um, so so yeah, it's that's really helpful um, background. So yeah, I mean Bunyan was poor and he was oppressed, and he he gave voice to a lot of people during that day who were who knew hardship and sorrow and struggle. And this is a story that, like scripture, kind of created an arc 
that helped people to see, okay, there's more than just the the struggle that I'm facing right now. You know, there, there's going to be more on the other side. You know, Christian persevered and pressed through, and help came. You know, um, grace was big enough for him. Maybe it's big enough for me. And so it really re- resonated with people during that day. He was what the scripture calls born again. He was not religious. Mm-hmm. He was born again, and he was on fire. Yes. And for that, he was imprisoned twelve years. Yes, that's right. Well, it's usually religious people that um, that do religion, end up it's, oppressing it's religion folks. Religion crucified the Lord. Yes, that's right. So. <laughs> You know, we mm-hmm. like it really, I mean. Yeah, so, that's right. So, I mean, religion is one thing, and loving the Lord is something else. Yes. Yeah, and so, so Bunyan, he's looked to for that, to provide that voice for people in a really helpful way, mm-hmm. I think. And so, so Bunyan knew what it meant to be a pilgrim. You know, he knew what it meant to n- not be at home to uh, not even have a home, even as a tinker, you know, when, when he had to travel around a good bit. And there's, that's a theme in scripture of humanity being um, a pilgrimage. You know, Adam and Eve were set in this garden, this lush, fruitful, prosperous place in God's presence. But then you know the story. They, they fell from that grace God gave them, and he had to ban them from his perfect presence. And their, their experience now was going to be by the sweat of the brow and the toil and sweat and tears uh, of childbirth that, that things would happen. And so because of the curse, humans couldn't enter the garden. They had to um, work outside of it. And so you have from Abraham being called away from his homeland to a land that God would show him, to uh, Jacob was always on the run. Um, Jacob's son Joseph was sold into slavery into Egypt. He was in a dungeon in Egypt, and then um, when, his, when he meets his brothers later on, they don't even recognize him. He was a stranger to them. Moses was a Hebrew born in Pharaoh's household. He was a stranger even in his own land, and he led his people out of oppression and slavery. You have this, even once Israel was established in the land that God gave them, the land of milk and honey, um, when they rebelled, God allowed them to be taken off in exile to Babylon, where they were strangers and pilgrims in a foreign land. Uh, The temple got destroyed. The sign of God's very presence was no longer with them. And yet they still longed and they hoped and they yearned And then Jesus Christ himself, the eternal Son of God, made incarnate, made flesh, leaves the comfort and joy and uh, communion of the Trinity and lives in dusty ancient Palestine. You know, um, he, he lives as a stranger. The Son of Man had no place to lay his head. He was a homeless man. You know, he, he was a stranger even among his own people. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. So he knew what it was to be a stranger, to be a pilgrim. And that was also a motif for the early church, to be, you are strangers and pilgrims here in this land. You, you are passing through in a sense. And that's part of the genius of Christianity, actually, is that um, unlike Judaism, 
or even Islam to an extent, there, there's not this sense of holy site that you need to return to. It, it goes with you because God's spirit is with you. This was something Bunyan intimately knew. He knew Jesus was with him in a prison cell, you know, in one of the most forlorn situations and places. That's where he found Christ present with him. So it gave him an enduring hope. And, uh, and that's, I think, the witness of Scripture. And Hebrews 11, it's one of those chapters that's really inspirational to read. I'd commend it to you. It just, it's kind of like the hall of faith, you know, the hall of fame for the faithful, Hebrews 11. And by the way, the members that are mentioned in here were not special or righteous in and of themselves. It's just showing that they were actually longing and struggling and yearning for something bigger than what they had. So he talks about Abraham and Sarah being promised this child, and yet they find themselves approaching 100, not having one. They don't, re- they don't seem to realize the promise. And even when it comes, they don't have the, you know, the descendants as many as the sa- sand on the seashore or the stars in the sky. Um, they don't have what they were promised yet. And so what it, what it says, it's really beautiful. Um, all these people... This is Hebrews 11, chapter, 13, uh, chapter 11, verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead... They were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. They didn't have a city of their own. They didn't have the realization of all of God's promises yet. They had inklings. They had, they had uh, glimmers of it, but they didn't receive all that was promised because they had a city that was to come. And that's what inspired Augustine with the city of God and the city of man and Bunyan with the Pilgrim's Progress, um, Christian going to the celestial city, uh, which is a wonderful picture of what a pilgrimage is like, what it's about. Um, and, and in so many ways, it's about longing. How are we on time? We've got a few minutes, I guess. Okay, so let me just give us a little bit into this story. So here's how the story starts. You have Christian, who's a, he's a citizen in the city of destruction, okay? And, and he's, it, it shows him out in the field with a burden on his back, and he's reading a book. And the book is a reference to scripture, and he, he sees that, um, he reads about destruction as coming to the city, and he's asking himself, how, how can we be saved? What's the way to be saved? Um, and an evangelist, or a man named evangelist, comes by, and Christian asks him this question, how can I be saved? An evangelist says, well, you need to go to the celestial city. And he goes, well, how do I get there? He goes, through that wicked gate, and then you'll go on this path. It's almost like you know, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, follow the yellow brick road, you know? Um, only this is not a glorious golden road. <laughs> this, is, this is going to be like a difficult, think Lord of the Rings journey. You know, if you've ever seen that movie. Um, I mean, this is going to be uh, a difficult journey. And so, what were you about to We're told something? to enter through the narrow gate, you know? <laughs> enter yes. through that narrow gate. Yes. So that's yeah. what he was told. 
That's right. Through, and he, it was it called the Wicked Gate? Wicked. Wicked. Sorry, wicked. not the Wicked. Wicked. Well, okay. I'm yeah, sorry. I think it was made of Wicked, you know, or a Wicker kind of material. So, yeah, no, no, no. Sorry, yeah, I want that to be clear. <laughs> not the Wicked Gate. Um, it is the narrow gate. And so, so Christian sets out on this journey. Um, in fact, by setting out, he, he starts to leave, and his wife and kids and neighbors are all going, no, don't leave, this is foolish, don't do such a silly thing. And so Christian, it says he puts his fingers in his ears, and it's almost like, la, 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 I can't hear you. you know, he, he screams, life, life, eternal life, and just runs and bolts. Um, he's so burdened by his sense of need, by his longing to be saved from the coming destruction, that he's he's willing to you know leave even his family to go and find it, go in search of it. So he goes through this gate out of the city, and it's almost like very few people had ever left the city, you know, because I think people are back going, what a fool! How crazy is he? He doesn't know what he's doing, and he comes. He's walking with this other guy who comes up named Pliable. They all have these names you can just conjure and imagine. Okay, Pliable, he's, he's willing to kind of go with whatever's going on. But he's on his way. He's trying to go to Celestial City too. And they, they come to a bog and get mired down in this, I kind of picture a, a kind of a steep ditch with, filled with just mud and you know, it's called a slough, a slough of despond. And so just imagine they're, they're kind of trudging through and they're getting, as they get further and further um, to try to get across this thing, they're getting deeper and deeper into the mud. And he's, Christian starts sinking. He has this burden on his back and it's pulling him down and he's in trouble. And he's crying out and Pliable goes, hey, this is too tough, I'm not gonna do this. And he gets out and goes back to the city of destruction where people are like, good for you, you know, that was a silly thing to do. And, they kind of, and he starts scoffing about Christian. I can't believe he's going on this journey. Well, that might be our signal that we've hit our time. Um, that, that's a little bit of background. I'll try to provide more background for next week as well. If, um, Going to do this for three weeks through through the September, all the Sundays of September. So um, so we'll we'll get to look at the slew of despond where they come and the valley of the shadow of death as well next week and uh, perhaps one other thing. But thanks for y'all's attention and I, I, I appreciated the interaction a lot. Thank you. Go go in Christ's peace. Amen. <laughs>